Hi, welcome to part two of This Week in Tudor History with me, Claire Ridgway. Now, I'm taking you first to the 9th of April and to 1557 in the reign of Queen Mary I. For on the 9th of April, 1557, Cardinal Reginald Pole's legatine powers were revoked by Pope Paul IV. Pole, who was also Mary I's Archbishop of Canterbury, had served as papal legate, legate alatere, to England from March 1554 until the Pope deprived him of this power on the 9th of April 1557. Pole had a bit of a history with Pope Paul IV. Back in 1549, following the death of Pope Paul III, Pole was a front-runner to become Pope at the Papal Conclave. However, one factor which prevented his election was Cardinal Jean-Petro Carafa denouncing him as a heretic. Pope Julius III was elected instead. When Julius died in 1555, Cardinal Jean-Petro Carafa was elected and became Pope Paul IV. Lambeth Palace Library's Guide to Cardinal Pole explains, at first, relations between the two men were cordial, but on the 9th of April 1557, motivated partly by political considerations and partly by mounting charges of heresy against Pole, the Pope revoked the legatine powers of his English Archbishop and recalled him to Rome. In the event, however, Paul contracted his final illness before he could be reclaimed by the Inquisition. Although it was his earlier works, his Catholic humanism and his belief in justification by faith that had provoked the first accusations of heresy, Paul's downfall with the papacy in 1557 seems to have been down to his close relationship with Mary I, who was supporting her husband, Philip of Spain, in his conflicts with the papacy. The final straw for the Pope was Philip's arrival in England in March 1557. In December 1557, the Pope sent his nephew, Carlo Carafa, to King Philip to convince him of Pole's guilt. But Mary I refused to let her Archbishop leave England to travel to Rome to face the charges. Pole died of influenza on the 17th of November 1558, the very day that the Queen died. Moving on to the 10th of April. On the 10th of April 1586, in the reign of Queen Elizabeth I, Sea Captain Sir Bernard Drake died in Crediton, Devon, from probable typhus. It appears that he caught the disease from Portuguese prisoners whose ships laden with Brazilian sugar he'd captured on his voyage to the West Indies. But who was Sir Bernard Drake? And was he related to the more famous Sir Francis Drake? Well, here are a few facts about this Tudor sea captain. Bernard Drake was born in around 1537 and was the eldest son of John Drake of Ash in Devon and his wife Amy Grenville. He was married to Gertrude Fortescue and they had six children together, three sons and three daughters. 
Through his mother, Drake was related to sea captain Sir Richard Grenville and explorers Sir Walter Raleigh and Sir Humphrey Gilbert. In December 1582, Drake invested in a corporation established by Gilbert. And then in 1585, he, Raleigh and Gilbert's brother John were involved in activities associated with the newly founded Roanoke Colony in North Carolina. Also in 1585, following Spain putting an embargo on English shipping in its ports, Queen Elizabeth I's Privy Council authorised Raleigh to organise ships to be sent to the Newfoundland fishing grounds to warn English ships not to take fish to Spanish or Portuguese ports and to seize any Spanish ships in the area. Drake and Raleigh's brother, Carew Raleigh, were commissioned to lead these expeditions to Newfoundland. Drake's plans for an expedition to Roanoke, with some privateering in the West Indies on the way, were scuppered, and he left for the Newfoundland fisheries in July 1585. En route to Newfoundland, Drake captured the Portuguese ship laden with Brazilian sugar, and after warning English ships in Newfoundland of the Spanish embargo, he went on to capture Spanish and Portuguese fishing ships. Then, with George Raymond, an associate of Raleigh's, he set sail for the Azores, where they captured Spanish ships laden with sugar, wine and ivory, and a French ship laden with gold. After successfully taking much of it back to England, Drake and his son John were rewarded by Raleigh and Gilbert with four of the ships. Drake had captured some Portuguese sailors, bringing them back to England and having them imprisoned at Exeter Castle. Drake was knighted by the Queen on the 9th of January 1586 at Greenwich. However, in March 1586, the judge at the Exeter Assize reprimanded Drake for neglect, as the Portuguese prisoners who were put on trial were in such a bad state. This assize became known as the Lent Black Assize of Exeter because eight justices of the peace, 11 jurors and several constables died of jail fever or typhus, which they caught from the prisoners. It also affected the local population. Drake also contracted it and died at Crediton on the 10th of April 1586 on his journey home. His son John inherited the family home at Ash and the proceeds of their successful voyage to Newfoundland. But was Bernard Drake related to Francis Drake? Well, yes, distantly. In 1581, there was trouble between the two Drakes when Francis Drake assumed the arms of Drake of Ash, used by Bernard's family. The story is told in John Prince's 1697 Worthies of Devon. Prince writes, By the assumption of the arms of the family of Ash, Sir Francis Drake incurred the displeasure of Sir Bernard, insomuch that Sir Francis received from the indignant knight a box on the ear, and that even within the precinct of the court. The Queen was of too haughty a spirit to permit such an outrage to pass unpunished and not only reprehended Sir Bernard, 
but as a check to the pride of the one and as what was due to the merit of the other, bestowed on Sir Francis a new coat of arms, elusive to his having circumnavigated the world. And moving on finally to the 11th of April. On the 11th of April, 1609, in the reign of King James I, conspirator, patron and collector, John Lumley, first Baron Lumley, died at his London home. Here are a few more facts about this Tudor Baron. He was born in around 1533, in the reign of King Henry VIII, and was the only son of George Lumley from the East Riding of Yorkshire and his wife, Jane Knightley. His father was executed in 1537 for his involvement in the Pilgrimage of Grace Rebellion. In 1545, Lumley's grandfather, John Lumley, 5th Baron Lumley, died, and Lumley was able to inherit the Lumley Estates in Durham. In 1547, Lumley was restored in blood and made Baron Lumley. In around 1550, Lumley married Jane Fitzalan, daughter of Henry Fitzalan, 12th Earl of Arundel. They had three children together, but sadly, none of them survived childhood. In September 1553, the Catholic Lumley was made a Knight of the Bath in the celebrations for Queen Mary I's coronation, which he attended. From 1559 until his death, Lumley was keeper of the Great Park of Nonsuch, and he and his wife lived in Nonsuch Palace, which at the time belonged to his father-in-law, Arundel. In the same year, he became High Steward of Oxford University, and Arundel became Chancellor. Lumley was very close to Arundel, and both were involved in the 1571 Ridolfi plot against Queen Elizabeth I. Lumley was imprisoned in the Tower of London for a time, and then kept in confinement at other properties. He kept his head, though, and was finally released in April 1573. His wife died in 1576 or 7. Lumley created a special garden, an allegorical garden, the Grove of Diana, at Nonsuch, as an apology to the Queen for his involvement in the plot against her. In 1580, following the death of Arundel, Lumley inherited Nonsuch Palace, but also his father-in-law's debts. To settle money owed to the Queen, Lumley gave her Nonsuch, but was able to remain living there as its keeper. In 1582, Lumley married Frances, daughter of John Darcy, 2nd Baron Darcy, but the marriage was childless. In 1586, Lumley proved his loyalty to the Queen by serving as a commissioner at the trial of Mary, Queen of Scots. Lumley spent his later years at the family seat, Lumley Castle, in County Durham. He died on the 11th of April 1609 in London. Lumley was buried at night, probably so that he could be buried with a Catholic service, in the Lumley Chapel of St Dunstan's in Cheam. Lumley's library was said to be one of the largest in England, and he collected manuscripts, books, paintings, sculptures, marble busts and furniture. In his collection, according to historian Eric Ives, was a full-length portrait of Anne Boleyn. 
It was later cut down after being damaged in a fire and seems to have been last mentioned in the 18th century. It is now lost. It's probably in a private collection somewhere or perhaps in someone's attic. Better start searching. Thank you for joining me today. I hope you've enjoyed all of those Tudor events and facts. Thank you for listening to this podcast. I do hope you enjoyed it. And don't forget to subscribe so that you can enjoy podcasts on a daily basis. Thank you.